You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. Good morning. Welcome. Um, my name is Caleb. I'm part of the preaching team here at Open Door and delighted to be with you as always. Uh, as the young kids would say, I'm feeling all the feels right now. So deal with that, whatever that means. Um, we're we're going to jump right into it. We're, we're right now, we're in the Ecclesiastes series, Life Worth Living. And um, we're going to be, we're going to cover all of chapter eight today. Um, I don't know if they're trying to punish me or what it was, but we're going to try to get through it all. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump straight into it. Um, and and I, I just ask that you guys stay with me on this. We're going we're gonna to go hard in the paint today. Um, it's a little shout out, to, shout out to some people here that wouldn't know what that means. Um, so let, let's open up our Bibles. Ecclesiastes 8. Uh, before we go, I want to say one quick thing. Solomon, as, as we've been going through this, you're going to notice at times he likes to repeat himself. I don't know if he just doesn't have enough thoughts and he's trying to feel material, so he just kind of keeps saying the things over and over. But he repeats himself a lot. And almost every word in all of eight, we've already talked about. We've already gone through. He's, he's already, we've already taught on it in, in these first eight chapters. And so um, with, within this, I, I want you to understand when he's writing, when he's doing this, what often feels like random thought or repeated thought or just continual blah, 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 blah. You, you got you to gotta know where he's, his feels are at, right? Where he's at. And so today we're, we're going to get through it and we're going we're gonna to try to get a sense of where Solomon's at when he's sitting down and, and, he's, and he's inking this out. Um, so he just starts with, with a beautiful thought. Verse 1, Who is like the my, wise man? And who knows the interpretation of matter? A, man, a man's wisdom illuminates him and causes his stern face to beam. So he just comes out of the gates with just the simple thought of, um, gosh, to, to, be, to be someone that is wise changes the way you do life, changes the way you see life, changes the way that life looks on you. And he, and he just starts there and he just says, gosh, how great to be wise. And, and if you've been with us at all, we know that wisdom is not those who have more knowledge or have been better educated or have a higher IQ, but that wisdom is those who have put their trust in him and that he gives to the humble uh, as a gift. And so he just starts off with this thought, and to continue it with a nice secondary random thought, in verse 2 he says, So I say this, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in evil matter, for he does whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, What are you doing? He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble. For a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and a procedure for every delight, though a man's troubles are heavy on him. He goes into another thought here, and he's, and he's simply just saying, listen, there's going to be authority, there's going to be kings, there's going to be rule, there's going to be government. Uh, submit to it. Submit to it. It is, essentially, it's ordained by God. It's been designed by God. And, and, and how he's describing it in here, he says, um, don't join in evil matters and, 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 and don't, don't try to fight against them. There's a time for it. There, there's a way to do it. Essentially, he's saying, I know 
that there's going to be times you don't agree with authority. I know there's going to be times where you see corruption and injustice and it doesn't make sense. Be careful. Because the king does whatever he wants to do. And so if you're going to try to fight evil, don't fight it with evil. Don't partake in evil matters just so that you can prove a point that there's injustice happening. He's saying, listen, this is an ordained thing of God. Authority, government, rule is ordained by God. Submit to it. And if you need to go against it, be wise. That's what he's saying. Jesus, um, in the Gospels, there's this, there's this event where, where they're asking him about paying taxes and doing things, and he goes, give me, give me that coin that you have there. Give me the money. They give it to him, and he goes, whose face is on it? And they go, well, that's Caesar's face. And he goes, well, then give Caesar what is his. This is his money, and give to God what is his. Jesus submits to authority. Caesar at the time was treated almost like a god. And here you have Jesus, who is God, and he's saying, it's authority, submit to it. Paul says that there is no authority on earth that has not been ordained through heaven. And so he says, submit to it. Easy to say, except for the fact that while Paul writes those words, he's under the rule of Nero, who debatably is the most evil human of all time. One example. There's about a million, but there's, here's one. He took Christians and he dipped them in oil and he burned them in his backyard at night for light, to produce light. And Paul says, submit to authority. There's no authority on earth that has not been given through heaven. One statement that needs to be said. Don't be surprised when evil men and women take positions of authority. Corruption, injustice, evil is universal. It's universal. And until he takes us home and until we are home, you will have evil people doing evil things in all facets of life, not just in politics. And so submit to government, submit to authority because it is ordained by God. And if you need to fight against it, be wise. That's where he takes us next. And then he keeps going and he says, um, if, no one, if no one knows what will happen, how can someone tell him what will happen? No, no man has the authority to restrain the wind with the wind or the authority over the day of death. And there is no discharge in the time of war and we, evil will not deliver those who practice it. Simply put, you don't have control when you're going to die. And you can try to fight wind with wind. The word wind here is spirit. You can try to fight spirit against spirit and be like, no death, spirit, no. You can't, you can't do it. It's coming for us all. And he says, there is no discharge from such war. No one gets out free on this one. And he says, even the evil who try to preserve their life by practicing evil, that doesn't even prevent it. We're all going to die. And you don't know when it's coming. Great thought there, huh? Helpful. <laughs> Look where he's gone. He's just such a random thinker. The wise, their faces are kind of shiny. And then he goes into this idea of there's going to be authority and injustice and uh, rule and it's by God and just, just be careful. And then, oh, by the way, you're going to die at some point and you, who, who knows when that's going to be. So let's keep going. <laughs> All this I've seen and I have applied my mind to every deed that has been done under the sun wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt. Oh, by the way, authority's going to probably hurt you. They're going to probably take advantage of you. That's another thing I saw. Verse 10. 
So then, next verse, yeah. so then I have seen the wicked buried, those who used to go in and out from the holy place, and they were soon forgotten in the city where they did this. This too is futility, because the sentence against the evil deed is not executed quickly. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to evil. He's saying, there's often times where evil men do evil things and it feels like they're getting away with it. And even at their death, it's like, it's like they've been praised and it's like, almost like the evil has been excused. Like, like no one even saw that it happened or, or everyone's ignoring it. And even in the midst of it, they don't get punished right away. And so because of it, they just keep doing evil things because no one's telling them it's wrong. In some way, they're validating it. You ever seen that? I have. I just actually read about it um, on Wednesday in the newspaper. Newspaper, yeah. I got a guy. I got a guy that does this, brings this to my door. Yes. It's a Dear Abby, and it says, Woman Fears Bachelor Party. That's a good start, right? Dear Abby, my boyfriend of two years will be attending a bachelor party in Las Vegas. We've never had any issues of infidelity, yet I can't help but feel anxious about the upcoming trip. I know the scene that exists in Vegas. I'm worried about him and his friends going to strip clubs, topless pool parties, etc. I don't mind him enjoying a trip with the guys, but I think attending an event with nudity is disrespectful to the other person when you're in a long-term serious relationship. Dear Abby writes, you and your boyfriend are both adults. Viewing topless entertainment or attending topless pool parties is not infidelity. It feels like evil is getting away with evil, and it feels like it's also being validated. And Solomon sees that. So let's keep going. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow, because he has not feared God. He's talking about influence past your death. He's talking about when the sun goes down, those who have not chosen to fear God and trust him with their life while they were on this earth, their shadow does not extend. Their influence does not extend past their life. First, first bit of redeeming work here that Solomon's given us today. Thank you. That was helpful. He keeps going. There is futility which is done on the earth, and that is that there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that, that this too is futility. Simple. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. Right? There are going to be men and women that are righteous and doing good things and are wholesome and making great choices for the world, and they're going to get treated as though they're evil. And they're going to be mocked, and they're going to be made fun of, and they're going to get beat up. And there are going to be evil, wicked, wicked human beings that are going to be praised and honored and given riches and given authority and he goes, it's just so stupid. So here's his solution. Here's his solution. So, 
I command pleasure. Verse 15. For there's nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat, drink, and to be merry. And this will stand with him in his toils throughout the day of his life which God has given to him. Really? Come on, Solomon. You're the wisest man that has ever walked the face of the earth, and you're telling me in the midst of chaos and corruption and wickedness ruling and being vindicated and me not knowing when I'm going to die, and you're telling me in the midst of all of that, just go party it up? It says, you feel like he's just saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I go, Solomon, I, I, I can't. I, I can't just stand by and pretend that this isn't happening. I can't just sweep it under the rug. And yet, that's all he's given me. And he even continues, verse 16, when I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which has been done on the earth, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man can't discover out the work in which God has done under the sun. Even though man should seek to know, he'll not discover. And then the wise man says, I know. Well, he, he can't discover either. You're not going to be able to even figure it out. You should try, sure, but you're not going to figure it out. And even those that say that they do have it figured out, they don't have a clue. So, I commend pleasure. I commend drink it up. Enjoy. Or anything like me, scripture like this ticks me off. And I go, God, I don't know what to do with this. There has been no single philosophical theology uh, debate greater than the existence of evil in the world and the existence of God. Hundreds of theology and philosophical statements and religions and things have been built to try to prove that both do exist. Because everyone is convinced that evil exists. There's no one going, no, I don't think so. Actually, there is a group. They're called Christian Science. They believe that evil is an illusion. I heard a joke once about Christian Science that it's kind of like grape nuts. It's not grapes, it's not nuts. It's not Christian, it's not science. Not a, I didn't say it was a good joke. It was just a joke. Everyone is convinced that evil exists and most are convinced that there's a God out there. And yet, if there is a God, if there's a God that we choose to believe is good and holy and righteous and all-powerful and all-knowing, how the heck does all of this stuff seem like it's ruling? And Solomon, you're telling me just sweep it under the rug and just enjoy? Just have a good time? There are uh, three or four major camps that people sit in that would call themselves Christians that they believe a philosophy or a theology that allows them to still be a Christian and believe that these two things can coexist. The first one is what's called mesotheism. Mesotheism. Um, the idea here is that God is all-powerful, that he has all authority, that he can control all things, that he has all foreknowledge, that he can predict the future, that he can do all things. The only missing piece is that he's not good. 
mesotheism. God is not good. The way I remember it is, um, if you've ever had miso soup, it's not good. It's not, it's not. There's an excitement level when it comes, kind of like chips and salsa when you're at a, but you get it and you take a couple bites and you're kind of like, there's a weird consistency to it. And, and then you add soy sauce thinking that'll help and that doesn't help. And, and then you just want the orange chicken. So, Mesotheism says that God is not good. And if he's not good, well then, that makes sense, right? Because if he's, if he's all-powerful, if he's, if he's in control of everything, but he doesn't really care, well, of course bad things are going to happen. Right? And he's not going to really do a whole lot about it because he's not good. And that one holds up really well, except for that you would have to throw this whole thing out. The second camp um, is, is, a, is a camp that would title their theology pantheism. And pantheism is this idea that God is all-powerful, but he, his power was for the purpose of creation. So he created all things. Everything showed up because of him. And at that point, he was good, and he saw it right, and he did it right, and he rested on the seventh day because it was good. And he created everything, but in the midst of creating everything, he created himself within it. He just was another moving peace, just another source of power, as though the sun is a source of power. And so, in a sense, he's just a part of the movement of the universe. He's not the one stirring the cauldron. He's not the one holding it. He's not the one controlling every moving piece. And that one holds up, except for that you'd have to rip out every page of the Bible except for the first page. The third camp, and probably the most popular camp, is this idea of process theology or open theism. They're, they're very similar. They're very different in a lot of ways. But those two hold this belief that God is in process. That God is in process. That, that he reacts to situations just as we would react to him. He's much more powerful. He can do things that we can't do, but he's, he's with us on the journey. So the idea is, man sins, he screws up, God goes, oh crap, what did I do? And so he sends a flood, and he destroys them all. And he goes, let's try this again. And we keep doing it, and he goes, okay, we've got to do something else. Let's send a guy named Jesus. We'll have him die on a cross, and then he can... It's this idea, like he's almost like a superhero, right? Like he's got all this power, but superheroes can't predict. They, can't, they don't know the future. They don't know how to prevent... The chaos, they just show up when it's going on and they're like, ah! right? And they just bring it in the moment. That's, that's the idea of process theology. It's one snippet of it. There's much more that goes with it, but that's the idea of God and evil. They just say, well, he's just along the journey with us. And that would have to improve, as my dad says, to become heresy. Those are the three major camps. And the fourth camp is that evil does exist. And God does exist, and God is good, and he is powerful, and he is authoritative, and he is preeminent of the highest rank, and they both exist. And you go, stop it. How can that be? I'm not a theologian. I've got a small little brain. As you can tell, as I shave my head, you can notice it more. But I believe that God allows evil. And you say, stop it. 
stop it. If that's true, if that's true, then when my daughter passed away at an age that she shouldn't have, you're saying that was, God, God allowed that? I think he did. What? What? I think God allows evil. No, 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 Caleb, Caleb, it's this thing like there's this free will thing and there was this garden, there was this snake and there was Adam and Eve and they chose to bring evil into the world because they sinned and they went against God and because of that, we brought evil. We didn't, didn't, don't put it on God. Who let the snake in? Who let the snake talk? Big mistake, we don't let snakes talk. <laughs> From here on out, God, no more snakes talking. Who let the snake in? Parent that God is fully good and He is fully powerful, and yet He does allow evil to show up. That hurts. I believe He does it for two reasons. Two reasons. And I could be wrong, but this is what I believe. I believe He does it to prove His glory to prove his goodness, to prove his power, to prove his justice. And I believe he does it to win me home. And you go, there are a lot of better ways to do that, coach. Right? Like, hey, let's bring a lot of evil. Do you love me more now? No. I believe he does it because without it, I would never get to see the fullness of his power. I would never get to find out that he is my remedy. I believe he allows it to bring me home. I believe he allows it so that at some point, someday, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Why? Because he, not just because he made daisies and butterflies and rainbows, because he flat out put evil on its back. Like on its back. There's four types of evil. Natural evil, hurricanes, disease. Moral evil is sin, abuse, murder. That's moral evil. Third kind of evil is supernatural evil. That's Satan and his posse, right? The demons, the principalities of darkness. And then there's a fourth type of evil, and it's eternal evil. Natural evil. Men don't walk on water. Water does not get parted and become dry land. Mud on a blind man's eyes does not make him see. Waves and storms that are about to capsize a boat don't stop just because a man said, be quiet, be still. Cripples don't stand up and walk simply because a man said, get up and walk. And men don't rise from the dead after three days. Longest recorded time ever, 14 minutes. A guy named Alberto Salazar, famous marathoner, and they said after about nine minutes, his blood had turned to vinegar. Three days, it doesn't happen. And if there's a man out there that has power over that natural and science, well, then he's good enough for me to follow. He's good enough for me to trust. Moral evil. 
Forgiveness when it's not deserved. Generosity when I've got nothing left. Patience when I'm at my wit's end. Faithfulness when I want to run. Kindness when the other side is evil. Honor when I wanted the other side to win. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If he can transform those things in me, a wicked sinner, then he has power over the moral evil. And he's worth my trust. Demons ain't scared of nobody. Their ruler owns the world, owns this place that we dwell on. And yet, by the name of one man, Jesus Christ, they tremble. And they run. And they put themselves into a bunch of pigs and they send themselves off a cliff. That doesn't happen to demons. They ain't scared of you. But they are scared of him. Satan had to have permission to torment Job, like really torment him. And he didn't get to do it without God saying, go for it. If he's got power over the second most powerful source in all of history, in all of existence, in all the universe, well then he's worthy of my praise. And if he could take all the sin of the world and he could drop it off in hell and it didn't keep him there and he rose from the grave and all evil was not strong enough to put him in the pit of hell, and he rose, well then he's got power over eternal evil too, doesn't he? And if just by me saying, I believe, he says, well then you're in. Just by two words, I believe, and he goes, yeah, that's good, that's good enough. You're in heaven. If he's got that kind of power, well then he's got power over eternal evil. There is no such evil on earth that he does not have power over. And the reason he allows it is so that I could watch all of that and go, there ain't no cat like you. There ain't ever been no cat like you. And I'll trust you with everything. I'll give over everything. You're not who I thought you would be. You don't do things the way I think you should sometimes. You're confusing to me. I know I can't figure it out because I've tried and it's messy. David Crowder plays a song. It's on his most recent album. We're not going to play the whole thing, but I want you to hear um, his heart in it. We're just going to play a bit of it. Um, Yeah, let it roll. Job um, has just been tormented. Uh, There's 42 verses in Job, and 38 of him, he's just been flat out beat up. Um, And God God allows it. And he starts yelling out to God, and he starts cursing God's name, and he starts saying, I don't get you, man. Like, I've done everything right. I've trusted you. I've believed in you. I I thought it was going to look different. God, get it together. 
And God says this to him. Hey, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Tell me. Job, tell me. Since you seem to know. Who decided its size, its, um, its blueprints, its measurements? How was the foundation poured and who set the cornerstone? While the morning star sang and the chorus of the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? Job, that was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and I tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it and, a strong, and it was a strong playpen so it couldn't run loose. Have you ever ordered the morning, Job? Have you ever told it to get up? Have you ever told the dawn to get to work? Have you ever gotten to the bottom of things? Like, the, like, like explored the labyrinths of the caves of the deep oceans? Do you know the first thing about death, Job? Do you? Do you have a clue the things regarding death? And do you have any idea how large this earth is? Do you know where the light comes from and where the darkness lives, Job? Do you, do you have a clue? Have you ever traveled to where the snow is made? Have you ever seen the vault where hail is stockpiled? stockpiled? The arsenal of hail and snow that I keep ready for the times of trouble and war. I can't wait to see that. Can you find the way where lightning is launched? Or the place in which wind blows? Who do you suppose carved out the, the canyons for when the downpour of rain shows up and charts the routes of the thunderstorms that bring water to an unvisited land? Drenching the useless wasteland so that they can be carpeted with wildflower and grass. And who do you think fathered the rain and the dew? Who is the mother to the ice and the frost? Can you catch the stars? Do you know the first thing about the constellation and how it affects the earth? Can you get the attention of the clouds? And can you commission a shower of rain? Can you take charge of the lightning bolts that have them report to order where they would say, hey, here we are. And he goes on. Can you feed the lion? Can you feed the crow? And I would imagine if I was asking, he would say, Caleb, are you the one that makes the blind see? Are, are you the one that, 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 that makes the cripple walk? Are you the one that sets the captives free? And as Job says, in the very end, he goes, God, I know who you are. And I am convinced that you can do all things. And that not one thing in your process and your purposes can be thwarted. I am convinced of it. There will be a day when every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is the almighty Lord. And it is not because evil does not exist. It is because evil is running rampant. The question is not so much do I believe that evil exists 
and do I believe that God exists? The question is more, God, do I trust you with the evil that exists? So maybe Crowder's right. Maybe Solomon's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe in the midst of chaos and uncertainty and pain and, uh, and, and maybe in the midst of chaos, really, corruption, injustice, wickedness, evilness, maybe in the midst of all of that, it is best to just worship. It is best to just go, God, I know you are good. I know you are preeminent. I know you are the most powerful source that has ever come into being. And I know you hold me. And I know you have called my name. And so maybe Solomon's right. Maybe the best thing to do is live it up. Maybe the best thing to do is enjoy the life he's given you. Because evil's not going away. You want to know proof? that God didn't have to allow evil, and he did, this debunks anything else that's out there. In heaven, there will be no evil. And God created heaven. And he is ordaining heaven. And so obviously, he has a place that he has allowed no evil to exist. And therefore, any evil that exists today, he has allowed it. For his glory, for his dominion, for his power to be on display, and so that he could win your heart. And what do we do? We get to worship. We get to praise his holy name. There's never been anyone like him. And so if you haven't worshipped in a while, this would be a great time to worship. Let's go worship our king.